Hi, I'm Brandon Brusco, and welcome to The Postscript. Welcome to another episode of The Postscript, uh, a weekly podcast and YouTube series from the Living Faith Bible Institute, where each week we meet with a pastor or professor from the Bible Institute, and we talk about ministry life, uh, we talk about theology, we talk about God's Word uh, and how it applies to our life with the, the goal, with the hope that it would be edifying to you, the listener. And so uh, we're thankful that you're with us. We're in the middle of an interview uh, with Pastor Mark Trotter. And in the last episode, we had uh, a conversation about his ministry experiences and how he got into the ministry, uh, how he learned about a biblical philosophy of discipleship, uh, how God showed him that he can know that he has God's Word uh, in the English tongue, and that he could believe uh, in his Bible. And those are all things that we talked about. Now, he left us off with a conversation about weird things in ministry. Uh, and uh, we want to ask him about those weird things. And, and essentially, what we're going to be talking about is his ministry experiences that he's learned from throughout the years, failures that he's seen in ministry, struggles that he's been surrounded by that help build his faith and, and give him a perspective on ministry. And so welcome back. Thank you. For I'm joining thrilled us. to be here again, man. So let's dig right in. Uh, so you you mentioned, I mean, we talked about your life in ministry, uh, you know, from uh, an early age up into the years at, in, at the church in New Philadelphia. And you mentioned that there was things that God showed you along the way through some experiences. And, and so will you share, maybe just share some of those things sure, with us? Man. Yeah. So uh, again, when I when I got saved, I mean, there was never a thought that I would end up in the ministry. Uh, and I can see now that along the way, God was trying to do some things to shape my ministry. You know, everybody, we're doing the same thing, but, you know, everybody's got their nuance because of their journey. And uh, so... Uh, so I, I shared in the last episode about uh, my coming to Christ and talking about, you know, the long haired street urchin sure. guy and the radical conversion that it was. And so when I got saved, man, I was, you know, and this is old school. I mean, this was 1972, y'all. Um, yes, we did have cars and such. But <laughs> uh, so in, in, in 72, uh, you know, the churches had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation, and, you know, all that. And right. so, I mean, hey, that this is my life now, you know? And so I'm there for everything. Uh, and oblivious to, you know, the, the, it was a large church. They were running 2,500 back in those days. Wow. They didn't even know to call it a mega church then, mm. you know? And, uh, so, you know, I'm just fat, dumb, and happy coming in there, you know, every week, and I'm listening, Learning, hanging rolling. on every yeah. word. And uh, so, you know, they got this uh, visitation thing, okay? So the way that they're telling it is, hey, man, we fulfill the Great Commission. We go out on Thursday night, we have a meal, and then we go out and we tell people about Jesus, and we follow up on people to come to the church. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's what we do. <laughs> And Which so, is how they, they reached you, essentially. Yes, yeah. essentially, yes. Uh, and so I, I I start coming to visitation. And uh, so I'm sitting with all the youth, you know, every week. And, you know, I, I'm 
a lot of us, you know, we didn't have cars and all of that at this point. So we're going with adults, workers in the, the youth group and all of that stuff. So uh, they would always put me uh, with some adults, you know, that w- worked in, in the thing and, you know, have another teenager there. And, and we would never go tell people about Jesus. You know, I mean, we're we're driving around, you know, and talking. We'd go to Baskin Robbins and get ice cream, and you know, and, and it was cool. I mean, I'm yeah, you, I, like, you, know, you like ice cream, sure, <laughs> and I like people, and you know, sure. and so we're engaging and all that. And I'm thinking it's just kind of weird though that we build this as we're, we're going to go tell people about Jesus, but we never do, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know, I keep doing that. And uh, one day, the, the youth pastor, who I highly respected, uh, he, he came to my house. Okay, now, this church where I was saved is at the gateway of the Miami Country Club. And so, I mean, there's some rich folk that go to the church, and I'm on the other side of the tracks, man. Yeah. And so... For the youth pastor to come to my house, it was like, you know, I've been going to afterglows at houses that I felt like I was in Hollywood, man. And I'm, you know, marveling that people live like I see. So one of the common things that keeps coming up in these episodes is afterglows, <laughs> which the young people have no idea what afterglow is, by the way. Okay. Well, it's after church on Sunday night. Uh, you know, you do potluck. Well, no, it's uh, it's more youthy. Uh, you go over to people's house and you eat <laughs> potato chips and. But you eat. Eating is always a part of, a, of an afternoon. Okay, yeah. Yes, it's Baptist, man. Yeah, right. And, and so it's just a chance to hang out again because you're not getting enough of Sunday morning, Sunday, or Sunday school, Sunday morning, right. Wednesday night visitation. Uh, <laughs> and so you were going to these houses. And it was almost foreign, like a foreign world. Oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in awe, yeah. you know. And so when the youth pastor comes to my house, I mean, I'm I'm embarrassed to bring him into my house. Mm. I, I, I hate that I'm that proud, but it was reality had an intern with him. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I wonder what they're doing here, you know? Mm. And so I'm a little weirded out by it. And uh, they show, you're saying they showed up suddenly. Yes. Okay. Just out of the blue. And, right. um, you know, I'm so like, yeah, so what's up? Well, Mark, um, we're, we're here to talk to you about your hair. Mm. And I'm like, say what? <laughs> my, my what? I mean, I don't have a file to pull on this in my head. Uh, Yeah, you know, Mark, the Bible says that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And I'm like, and my girlfriend at that time had hair down to where her back changed names. Right, which is kind of common in the 70s, right? Yeah, sure. And so I thought that was long hair, you know, and uh, so I was like, Oh, so you, is my hair long? And I wouldn't be an idiot, you know. I, I it just, I, I'm like, wow, that's, that's weird. And everybody back in those days had long hair, you know? And uh, long hair, here I am using their terminology. Uh, so um, I, I, I didn't get it. I mean, he was, you know, I mean, he, he, he says, well, you know, if I was in a car behind you and I was looking at you, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know if you were a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be an idiot, but 
when I got out of the car, would you know? <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it, wasn't, sure. you know I, it, it was just not making sense. And so, you know, that happened and they left and I was like, well, that was weird. So I keep coming to everything and keep coming to visitation and still drive around. And so one, one day the assistant pastor comes over, you know, as we're all eating and he comes behind me and he, uh, rubbing my traps and, uh, Hey Mark, why don't you go out with me tonight? And so all the kids are like, Ooh, you know, this is the assistant pastor, you know? And I'm like, Hey, cool. And I'm like, doggone, I was hoping to hang out with some of these, you yeah, know, you wanted some basketball. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, he was nice as all get out. I mean, we're driving around. And he's just talking to me and about life. And we had, we had been out probably an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, he says, uh, so did uh, Mr. Lanier, uh, that's the youth pastor, uh, did he talk to you about your hair? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he, he said, what would you think about that? And I said, well, you know, it was kind of weird to me. I I didn't get it. Totally. So he pulls the car over and he says, you know, Mark, let me just, let me just be honest with you. Your hair is offensive to the people in your church. Mm. And you probably wondering why when you go on visitation, you never really get to do what we do. We just feel like you're a bad testimony for Christ uh, with that long hair. And I feel like I'm in the I'm in the car right now, and he's talking to me. <laughs> this is like I'm sweating over here. Where's this going? And so he takes me to First Corinthians eight, yeah, and of course. Uh, he's showing me, you know, this thing of meat offered to idols. You know, I, I, I it was I was learning stuff, you know. And I'm, but I'm not seeing where he's going, you know. And so, you know, he explains all of this meat offered to idols and how we have liberty and that all of that. But Paul got to the point to where he said that if if meat makes my brother to offend, I will eat no meat. Mm-hmm. And he says, Mark, you know what? I, what I would suggest to you is if if your hair is being offensive to the people of the church. Do what Paul did. Just cut it. Don't be offensive. I said, uh, okay. Really? You'll get it cut? I'm like, yeah, man. Right. I'll pick you up tomorrow and I'll pay for it. You know, so he, he takes me and I get my little Christian haircut. And, uh, dude... I was the poster child, uh, the street urchin got saved and now he even looks like a Christian. And so, man, uh, it, it, you know, I'm getting all kinds of props and, you know, all this kind of craziness. And so shortly thereafter, the assistant pastor, you know, makes the announcement one Sunday morning that, He's going to be leaving uh, the church. You know, God had opened this opportunity. He left. About six months after that, I find out that God really wasn't moving him. He had been having a two-year affair with one of the choir members, 
and it got found out. And so they were going to, you know, let him ride off into the sunset. And when I, when I heard that, I couldn't help but think, dude, you had the audacity to talk about my hair being offensive while you are involved with a someone that isn't your wife and mm. wow i was like you know i had to process that and uh but again it was all the beginning stages of god trying to show me that you can get all the externally stuff looking right but the real issue mm. is what's on the inside dude what i have been trying to do for about the last 40 years of my life is get back to the long-haired kid that didn't know jack squat that was getting up two hours before school started at seven to pray that God would use me to reach people at school mm. with my long hair that don't, you know, and oblivious to all of the externally type stuff. And uh, so wow, I got into the ministry and, uh, you know, we're going to fast forward about four and a half years um, uh, after I got in the ministry, I got to Marietta. They wanted me to go to the largest church in America. You know, the pastor wanted me to go to this soul winning conference up in Hammond, Indiana. Okay. And uh, so I get there and man, thousands of people, you know, I mean, it was a huge place. I, I, I sit down uh, in the uh, a pew and as I look down in the pew in front of me, here's this assistant pastor guy that had talked to me about my hair. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing this in my mind through the service, you know, just, wow, how whack all of this is. And here he's right there. And so after the, the service was over, I, I walked up to him and, and I said, hey, uh, I don't know if you'll remember me or not. My, my name is Mark Trotter from Miami. Mark, I do remember you. You were straddling the fence and didn't know if you were going to follow Jesus or not. And man, it's just so good to see that you decided to follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, dude, I... What I wanted to say is, no, I'm the one that kept his draws on. <laughs> uh, and I just ate it and just said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, so I'm forced again to process this whole world of Christianity and this external thing. And as long as the external looks good, <laughs> then we're good. Right. And, you know, it was God trying to teach me that uh, you, you just keep the internal yeah. right yeah. and keep a heart for me. And it's the whole whited sepulcher thing. Yes, man. It's powerful. And we're all always learning about that, right? Like we, we, we fail to understand that uh, 
God is most concerned with the inner man. Amen. And if the soul and the spirit aren't right, nothing can be right. And uh, that's that's an amazing thing that I think all of us continue to learn over and over again. I know that you've got another story from the Georgia church that, that helped you too. Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know, in in when I was in California, you know, it was the big push for the big church thing, uh, and one of the reasons that it made me want to leave is uh, one day we're in a staff meeting, okay, and so back in these days we weren't we weren't training people to make disciples and reach people with the gospel. A pastor would hire a staff to build the church. So you'd go out and you'd build your class so you could tout the numbers. It's the craziest thing. And this was in, you know, the fundamental Baptist world, you know. And so, you know, the church wasn't growing the way that some of his buddies' churches were growing. And so we, we got in a staff meeting one day and we had a large staff and, you know, it was a good staff. And, uh, the dude says, you know, uh, I, what I've been thinking about doing is giving you guys a base salary. And then for every person that you bring down the aisle on a on a Sunday that you've won to Christ in the week, then we'll give you no way. And when you if they get baptized, if they join the church, then, you know, we'll base your salary this way. And we're all like, are you kidding me? We're going to be, this is going to get commission? Are you kidding? And he's, I, I'm not saying that we're, we're going to do this. I'm just telling you, I'm thinking about it. But we're going to do something that's going to grow this church. Oh and so, I, I, again, I, I'm just tripping, man. And and again, it was just God just trying to show me that you can have a big church. Mm. And the inner workings of that thing can be so carnal, so out to lunch that it has totally missed the purposes. The glory of God was never the issue. Mm. And so God was trying to teach me. So, hey, I've got to get out of here. Door opens for me to go to Georgia. And so... You know, back in the 70s, the church that I was going to was one of the, uh, it, the Elmer Towns came out with a book, The Ten Fastest Growing Churches in America. And this was one of them. And uh, so I get there and uh, I'm there about six months and, you know, a huge church, uh, huge facilities. And the pastor's office was down at the end of the hall. Mine was right next to his before you got there. And every day there was this woman that was coming. And I'm, who counsels this much, you know? <laughs> um, and, I, I'm, you know, she drove, I, I, hey, you can drive anything you want. She drove a yellow Corvette. And I hate to stereotype it, but she, you know, kind of looked like a, barmaid, you know. She's like the bombshell type. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it was just weird. And so uh, it was, I found out what was really happening. I mean, he, he, he came to me and a guy that was in my ministry, Young Marrieds at that time, and says, hey, you know what? 
this woman, and he mentions her name. Because he suspected you knew. Uh, no, he he knows nothing okay. at, at this point. And at this point, I, I didn't know anything. I oh, This is how I found out. So he wants me and this guy to go to her house to find a phone tap. Because he says, you know, uh, I've been counseling her and, you know, there's this divorce this situation that's going on. And her husband knows things that the only way that he can know it is if her line was tapped. And so since I'm going to be in this you know, divorce suit thing, can you guys go over and just see if you can find a phone? And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Am I, even, am I being punked? You know, and this is before punked was out, you know, and I'm like, this is just whack. So, you know, I'm a staff member, you know, so I go over to this woman's house. Long story short, I do find the phone tap, you know, and and she, you know, I said, hey, I think this is what you're looking for. She grabs it out of my hand. Oh, you have saved my kids. Oh, you know, and I'm like, what? What's, you know, and it was just whack. So I ended up finding out all about that. I I don't know what to do, you know, with what I know. Uh, and so, you know, my wife is saying, man, let's just get out of here. Let people know that you're looking. And I'm like, you know what, babe, that's how we ended up here. Let's just let God do this thing. And so God wasn't doing anything. <laughs> and uh, so I, my, my gurus at that time were John MacArthur and Chuck Swindoll. And so I wrote a letter. Uh, Chuck Swindoll responded within two weeks, two page letters, letter, he says, if what you said is true, it's the wildest story that I've ever heard. I've left out details. Yeah. I'm talking mafia connections and all this with the pastor. And, you know, so uh, he says, you have a biblical responsibility to confront him. And, and yet, if your reason for confronting him is because you're mad or because you want to see him pay, then you're not the dude. And, uh, you know, you got to have a heart to seem restored, not necessarily to ministry, but to Christ. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I, you know, I was mad, you know, I, it, it ticked me off. And so I began to pray that God would change my heart on it. And he did in about a three week period of time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, man, oh, I'm feeling like how in the world is this little 26 year old dude gonna, you know, in the 10 fastest churches, growing churches in America, you know, going to go confront him. And so it, I told my wife, okay, baby, this is the day. I might be home in an hour and we might be looking for a job. Uh, but, you know, we were praying that I would be a Nathan uh, and that maybe it would be that. So I uh, poked my head into his office that day and I said, uh, Hey, Pastor, if you uh, have some time uh, this morning, I'd, I'd love to talk with you. Oh, man, Mark, you know, my, my schedule today is just uh, so crazy. Could we do it tomorrow? And I'm like, uh, sure. You know, I go back to my office and, whew, okay, yeah, I can breathe. Uh, about 15 minutes later, I think he's working in, well, what's he wanting to talk about? You know, and he already knows about the phone tap and, you know, all this kind of thing. So he buzzes my office and says, hey, you know, Mark, I found some time. Why don't you come on over? So I'm trying to get up the guts to go do this, you know. So I come in 
And he's all buddy, buddy. Hey, buddy, come on in. Have a seat. What's on your mind? You know? And I'm like, mm, you know, Pastor, I, ah, man, I, I don't know any any way to do this other than just say, I know what's going on with you. And and I mentioned her name. And and this is what he does. Hmm. And if you're listening on audio, he's folding his arms and he's staring mm -hmm. me down and piercing me through, not saying a word. And uh, I had just read the week before. I think everybody knows this now, that when you're in some kind of a situation like that the f and nobody's talking, the first one that talks loses. And so <laughs> I'm just looking back at him. And so it was whack, man. So he finally <laughs> says, so what, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I didn't know I was going to have that option, actually. And, uh, you know, so he starts talking about, man, if I did what you think I did, would it make me any different than David? And I'm like, boy, Pastor, you, you know better than I do what happened to David as a result of all of that. And, you know, he says, Mark, I, I would just encourage you to believe the best about people. You know, and I'm like, you know, Pastor, I, I, I think I do that. And he goes, well, so what, what are you going to do? And uh, I said, well, there's this guy in New Philadelphia that has called me a couple of times. I don't know if that's going to end up, but, I, you know, I'm probably going to be leaving. Okay, well, let me know. And I'm like, I walk out of there. I'm like, what the heck just happened, you know? And uh, so... I, I went through my day, you know, of course I told Sherry and I went through my day. Uh, I had been out of the office and I came back in. Everybody else was gone. It's just him. He buzzes my office and he says, hey, Mark, uh, come on in for a minute. And I'm like, ah. So I, I walk in. He said, I've been thinking about what you said. And, uh, you know, if, if it's more money that you need, uh, you know, right now things are a little tight, but we can make it up to you. Jeez. And I said, Pastor, did you think I was blackmailing you? And, oh, no, buddy. I'm just saying if money's going to help this, then we can work that out. And once again, the Lord was just trying to, to show me, dude, the inside is a whole lot more important than the outside. And, oh, at this time, he's preaching about the very things that he is doing. So long story short, uh, I leave. I was great friends with his son, who was also on the staff. Idolized his dad. I couldn't tell him. About 10 years later, I'm in New Philadelphia, Life is so awesome. I mean, we were right. on Not all cylinders yeah. at that point. He calls me up, this his son, out of the blue. And uh, he says, hey, I'd love to come see you. And I'm like, dude, I would love that. And so, you know, he says, I can't be there this Sunday, but I'll be there the next, you know. And so he says, but what's weird is by the time that, uh, by the time that I get there, my mom and dad will probably be divorced. And I'm like, Oh, really? Uh, what's up? Uh, we'll talk about it when we get there. 
And uh, so by the time he, he came up, what he, the reason he wanted to come up is just to find out because he, he put the, all of it together when he started finding out what was happening. Uh, and so by the time that he came to me, he says, we know of 34 affairs that he's had with people in the church. And uh, he said, I, I, I had high hopes that maybe you had confronted him with what you knew. And so I told him, you know, what had happened. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, a, a, long, a lot of long, sad stories. But in the midst of it all, God used all of that to just constantly be reminding me to make sure that the inside, your heart for God is what is driving everything that you do because you can get all of the outside and all the outer workings to where it looks right. spiritual and it's empty. Well, well, uh, Mark, you've left us, um, with a serious warning, I mean, in many regards. I hope. Yeah. So a very, you, first of all, you're a great storyteller. So it's like, I don't, I'm just listening. It's, <laughs> it's really interesting. But at the same time, it is um, heavy. And uh, it reminds us uh, to be on watch for our heart and our minds and to protect our heart and mind and to make sure that the light of God's word is guiding our path. And so thank you for your weird stories <laughs> uh, because they've, they've provided some, some insight. And um, in the next episode, we're going to be talking about your book. So awesome. it'll be a little bit lighter. Yes. I, I hope. <laughs> Maybe not as depressing. <laughs> right. But thank you uh, very much. And so uh, thank you for joining us as well in another episode of The Postscript. We thank Pastor Mark Trotter and, um, and his storytelling is very good. If, if any of this resonated with you, I mean, if you recognize that you're a leader that's struggling mm. and there's something wrong with your inner man, you're in, maybe in a dry season or in a, in, in a season of temptation and you know that there's repenting you need to do, uh, this is an opportunity. This is a call for you to go to your leaders and, and make confession. And so please take the, the warning of the stories today really serious. Uh, the inner man is of great significance. Um, bodily ec exercise uh, profiteth little. Uh, and, and what ultimately is important to God is whether or not your soul is right. Amen. So uh, thank you again for joining us. If you're interested in Living Faith Bible Institute, please visit lfbi.org. You can visit our YouTube channel and hear all of our previous episodes. Go check that out. Visit the podcast at thepostscriptshow.com. Uh, or if you're interested in Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. Thanks again. Bye. I'm the high school pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple, and I'm a student of Living Faith Bible Institute, where I can go to class and know that I'm going to walk away with something that I can use, if not this week, in the future. Sometimes, especially at school, you might be in a class that's going to get you a degree, 
but it has no application in your life. When I left the eye, I know that I'm gonna take these classes and, and it's either gonna apply directly to my, my craft, to my weekly procedures, or it's gonna be something in the word that I'm gonna have a student or a counselor who has that question. And now I'm a little more equipped to do the work in the ministry. So I love giving my life every moment I can to young people and to the team I work with because we are affecting the world. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org. If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org backslash donate.